0: Welcome to Re Engage. My name is Jimmy G. As we usually do, we took a break in between seasons, heading into season five now. And unfortunately, there has been a bit of a shakeup on the podcast, uh, some leadership squabbles. Not everybody uh, agreed on the direction we were going. Perhaps we require new leadership.
1: <laughs> I see you
2: have failed as our host, Jimmy G. I challenge you for leadership of the podcast council.
3: <laughs>
2: now, the podcast can continue. Welcome to Reengage, where we watch every episode of the sci-fi series Star Trek: The Next Generation and reengage with the show from the perspective of adult storytellers instead of those Gen X kids we were when it first came on. Today, we are talking about the premiere episode of season five and the continuation of the story which began in the season four finale, Redemption 2. And I am so excited to welcome my fellow Cultural Bridge officers to discuss this episode that investigates android racism, Romulan parenting, and Klingon politics. Uh, So hi, Kate Yeager, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing so fantastic. Uh, Jimmy started and I was like, I thought Greg was hosting. (laughs) And then then it all happened. You got me. You got me.
2: It worked. It worked. Jimmy G, I'm sorry I I killed you.
0: (laughs) I, I accept
2: it. I deserved it. I uh, fully bow down to your supremacy and leadership. For this one hour at the very least. Eric Curry, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. I
3: felt like I was ringside at one of those fantastic interstitial scenes from Glow,
2: and uh, I've never been happier. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you again for calling in at 4 a.m. your time. What country are you currently residing in? I am in Takasaki in Japan. It is a delightful
3: little city about two hours north of Tokyo by
2: bus, like 12 minutes by train. Wow. Well, thank you again. Uh, Very excited to talk about this episode. It is, as I said, Redemption 2. Uh, This is one of the only part twos that doesn't actually say part two in the title. It just has two as in Ghostbusters 2 or uh electric boogaloo (laughs) we'll be bringing up ghostbusters again in the co-stars oh i can't wait that's exciting um it was during the star date that i did not note here in front of me it is in fact (laughs) Date. Four five zero two zero point four you're fired (laughs) good catch
0: (laughs) my leadership has been challenged once again okay jimmy you take over
2: (laughs) september 23rd 1991 is when this first aired in our current timeline uh of course that meant there was a few months between the last episode over the summer of 1991 and guess what a whole lot of crap happened uh, during that time. I'm gonna go pretty quick rapid fire here because there are a lot of uh, pretty fun events, but let's talk through them real quick. July 26th, this is my version to your entertainment territory a little bit, but Paul Rubens, otherwise known as Pee Wee Herman, was arrested in Florida for exposing himself in an adult movie theater. I remember that. Hero.
1: Yeah, seriously. What was he doing? He's he's in porn, you know, what are you you gonna do? That's
0: what what porn (laughs) theaters are for,
2: right? (laughs) Hurting no one. Ridiculous. Uh, But I'm glad he had a bit of a resurgence uh, in the mid to late 90s, but he definitely didn't get a lot of work as P.B. Herman uh, after that.
1: I actually wrote a a paper in college about how you rehabilitate uh, your image about him. Uh, And part of that was uh, the first public appearance he made was on the MTV Music Awards or Movie Awards. And he came on and said, heard any good jokes lately? (laughs) <laughs> Which just that put him fantastic. squarely back in sort of the power position.
2: It was so good. And then when he was the uh, uh, character that farted as a power in Mystery Men, right. for me, he was fully, he was fully back uh, <laughs> after that for me. On August 6th, 1991, Tim Berners-Lee from CERN uh, released the files that described his idea for the World Wide Web to the public. For the first time uh, he had he had kind of proposed this in an internal memo uh, a few years ago I think I mentioned that on the podcast before but this is the really the birth of the WWW uh, uh, as a publicly available service on the internet and uh, his team went on to continue doing um, more um, uh, browsers and things like that but this was really the start of the internet as we know it wow yeah I that know right and we're all
3: worldwide
2: we're all thank you we would not be having this podcast uh, over the interwebs without him I am, thank you. I am, thank you.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> now you're challenging me too. You shall be destroyed.
1: <laughs> oh, no. You are beset.
2: <laughs> On August 19th, Hurricane Bob hit the United States. This was a massive deal in my neck of the woods because it hit uh, Block Island, Rhode Island as a Category 3 hurricane. It is the last time a Category 3 made landfall um, in, I think there was only one last uh, hurricane season that also did that but it was a huge amount of damage I remember being in complete uh, an utter uh, you know power was out storm 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 for like about uh, 24 hours and then it was clear and bright and everyone was like oh my gosh it's so nice outside and then an hour later the storm hit again We the eye kind of passed close enough to us where we were able to uh, feel the relative calm um, and then I remember afterwards just having basically every tree in the neighborhood be down uh, and uh, neighborhood kids jumping all over them and playing them because they're it's so much fun to play on broken down trees that are not in houses. <laughs> <laughs> there were some of those as well. And then they ended up retiring the name Bob from the hurricane. So we will never have another hurricane Bob again because of how much devastation it hit. Uh, so the bee, is bill now or some other uh, words it, we will not have a hurricane bob again Oof. also on that date oct- uh, august 19th there was a coup in the ussr this is when gorbachev was uh detained at his villa in crimea actually uh near uh where the ukraine war is currently still going on and the kgb and the gang of eight as they were called took over power cut Uh, telephone lines to his uh, villa uh, and then uh, proceeded to shut down all newspapers that weren't uh, state-owned and run radio stations and try to consolidate power. But it was actually Boris Yeltsin uh, who led a... He had just been recently elected as president of Russia, uh, if you remember in the previous podcast episode. Um, He galvanized the public around this uh, attempted coup, and it was shut down within three days. Um, But Mikhail Gorbachev's power was significantly reduced after this. He resigned as the head of the Communist Party on August 24th, and he, uh, you know, kind of yielded the power to Yeltsin at this time.
0: Bastion of democracy, and
2: everything's been great. Everything's <laughs> been great since. I know. I was just thinking about how that actually led into how the how the KGB uh, and uh, that fucker that's in power now kind of was also galvanized by this uh, a- event. So it is. It has echoes in, in what's going on now for sure. Linux was born on August 25th. Linus Torvalds wow. uh, said he's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna create a new operating system, um, and uh, wow. it, it began. Uh, and then I put this in here for you, Eric. Brett Saberhagen had a no-hitter on August 26th. Not for the Royals, though, probably. No, it was for the Royals. That guy.
3: Between him and David Cohn, it was, it was a, a very strange Royals pitching
2: era. I, I do not remember it well. I was going to say I remember it well, but I'm like, nope, do not. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Brett Saberhagen. That's about it. Oh the hero of the 85 series. He's a good guy. And speaking of things that have uh, echoes today, uh, September 10th was the beginning of the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee beginning hearings on Clarence Thomas and his nomination to the Supreme Court. Badu. Boo! But on September 21st, a couple days before this aired, the USS USA Basketball announced who on the dream team was going to be competing in the 1992 Olympics. I remember that being a really big deal. Oh, yeah. So, and that was um, all the things that happened in the three months uh, <laughs> we were off the air here. Kate, what can you tell us about all of the amazing entertainment that was going on at this time?
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, we missed some doozies. I tell you what. And uh, I am excited to tell you about them in the music front we missed a a very long block of time in august when brian adams everything i do i do it for you was number one for many many years uh weeks running years years (laughs) felt like it uh followed by paula abdul and the promise of a new day promise promise of a new day and this week, uh, we find our number one song being "I Adore Me Amore. Mm. Anyone remember mm-hmm. who that gem was by? Mm-mm. No. Color me bad. Oh yes. Color me bad. bad.
0: I want to sex you up. We
1: love Color Me
0: Bad.
2: (laughs) When my wife was uh, a teenager, she was on a plane with Color Me Bad and Ah. uh, exchanged some flirtatious uh, exchanges with the band. She don't stop, stop. That's what I always say.
1: (laughs) Uh, On the movie front, we missed Naked Gun Two and a Half The Smell of Fear being number one at the box office. Followed by Terminator Two, Judgment Day for several weeks in a row. Followed by Hot Shots, you guys. This was peak. Wow. Time. Wow. Part. part uh, no, this was part. This yeah. is part two. Uh. <laughs> wow. And a then Eagle for River serving legs all day. <laughs> we missed Dead Again, which is a classic.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yes. Fucking great
1: movie. And then this week we find Freddy's Dead. The final nightmare, which we all know now was just a big lie about it being the final nightmare.
2: It's not final. Or him being dead.
1: This is is all true. Uh, On the television front, Nickelodeon introduced its series of Nicktoons with Doug, Rugrats, and the Rin and Stimpy show.
2: Oh, classics.
1: Uh, All of that happened in August. And then the time slot for Full House was moved um, from Friday TGIF lineup to Tuesday nights. Uh Uh-oh. Causing lots of scandal.
2: House of Death. That's the slot of death there.
1: (laughs) And finally in television, Leonardo DiCaprio joined the cast of Growing Pains for what would be its final season. I had forgotten that he played, you know, somebody's cousin or brother or foster kid i don't remember
2: he was an orphan that lived in the school i remember that he was like living in the uh the uh, janitor's closet or something like that and then uh they took him in
1: how kind of them i know so that's what was happening in pop culture Ooh, baby that's my new ending
2: (laughs) (laughs) nice you workshopped that just enough um i also love how dj jimmy g was there uh be- gri- grinding to that grinding <laughs> he's the, he's the dj kates the rapper grinding <laughs> but you are grinding uh the rails on some behind the scenes stuff that was happening Ooh. right jimmy Ooh.
0: I will hand you back your leadership with that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, originally uh, the Klingon saga that we saw at the end of uh, Season 4 coming into the first episode of Season 5 was to be the Season 3 cliffhanger, but we all know that the Borg got in the way of that, (laughs) uh, so it had to bump it over. However, um, the episodes that set up the Klingon Civil War and then leading into the Resolution episode uh, gave us probably the biggest deep dive into an alien culture that TNG had ever done so uh, it was a brilliant setup there Um, and then David Carlson was brought back to uh, direct this episode which is apropos because he directed yesterday's Enterprise which we all know is the Mm. we fucked up by killing off Tasha Yar in a lame non dramatic way and we're very sorry and are bringing back Denise Crosby uh, in any way we can episode (laughs) <laughs> um and Redemption 1 and 2 continues that apology to Denise Crosby. And if you were listening closely to the ships assigned to uh spread out the tachian field, one of them was the Tiananmen in honor of the 1989 populist uprising. Mm-hmm. And that is all from the Nemesic Files.
2: Very cool. <laughs> I saw that I know that they when they drop uh names of uh, ships in there as kind of just the sides, but I read also that there's two names, the Akagi and uh, one of the USS ones. I think it was the Hornet, who actually were aircraft carriers that fought against each other in World War II. Uh, That's fun. They're now on the same side, creating a tachyon field with each other. <laughs> Eric, what can you tell us about the plethora of guest stars that are happening here? Oh, we got so many. What I'm going to do this
3: time is kind of recommend one thing For each of them that people should go and check out because these are all accomplished motherfuckers, (laughs) starting with the great Fran Bennett as Fleet Admiral Shanti. Mm. She came of age in Wisconsin and then immediately worked for a decade at the Guthrie Theater in Minneapolis, one of the great theaters in the world where she was in addition to an actor in the company, she was the movement and vocal coach for the company as well. Then she took over the entirety of the acting program at Cal arts for over a decade and has taught and performed all over the world. Jimmy G, what you got to say. She
0: invited me to Cal arts in my grad school audition. It was one of the eight that I was called back to, and I got to sit in a hotel room with her and talk about Cal arts and why I would be a good fit there.
2: Wow. And but you, you, but you just didn't
0: exactly.
3: And loved the time.
0: <laughs> yes. I was like, you were amazing. I saw you with that track, And then I went to the Oslo. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Tons of Broadway. Her most recent credit is what I'm going to point you all towards. If you haven't seen The Manor, a really fun um, supernatural horror movie starring largely people at an old folks home she is one of the leads in it and she is fantastic from 2021 from there we just say that again Baytor is my girlfriend um <laughs> and then from there we go to Torol. uh young jd cullum of course uh known first as the son of the great john cullum but also the one i'm going to pick for him is topical it's the manhattan project if mm. you remember That growing up, it's not about what you think it's about, but it's super fun. Uh, Go check it out. It's half comedy, half sci-fi, half really fucking weird, but it is delightful. From there, we go to uh, the amazing Tony Todd, who we all know and love. We can pick anything we want to. What I'm going to choose is the remake of Night of the Living Dead, where he is the lead in 1990, which also gave us the screen debut of Katie Finneran. Uh, Broadway superstar. Um, so enjoy yourselves with that trip down memory lane. We go now to Timothy Carhart as Lieutenant Commander Christopher Haddadada, the racist jackass who deals with uh, data here. And uh, we got to tell you a lot of stuff about him. Actually, if you go through his stuff, what you'll notice very quickly are things like Thelma and Louise, Beverly Hills Cop Three, Hunt for Red October. These are things that are terrific throughout his career. Desperately Seeking Susan, um, Sweet Liberty, one of my all time favorites and the aforementioned Manhattan Project. But Mm. what we're really going to go with here is he has, I think, two lines in it. But I'm going to give you a line from someone else. And that line is, who's the stiff? Uh, And the response is the stiff happens to be one of the finest musicians in the world. He's the stiff from Ghostbusters who does the nose uh, medicine uh, in that one little bit. He's a big laugh. It's all physical and he's terrific. Um, So good. So from there we go to the great uh, Mike Haggerty, who you probably know best. Uh, Well, in this, of course, he is Captain Larg. But you probably know him best as Kurt Russell's best friend in Overboard, uh, where uh, the two of them do many hijinks that are really (laughs) ethically bad uh, (laughs) to rich amnesiac uh, Goldie Haunt. So, of course, that is the one I choose for Mr. Mike Haggerty. He unfortunately just passed away in the middle of his fantastic turn in Somebody Somewhere, which I encourage you all to go out and check out. Um mm-hmm. oh, who and, is he uh, a- I think that's all we're going to do dad. today. It's really. Yeah, it's really an amazing, amazing. Uh, ah group of guest stars. I didn't even talk about Denise Crosby, our favorite Ukrainian Romulan character, probably the only Ukrainian Romulan, char- Romulan <laughs> character in Star Trek history, but don't quote me on that. The one I would choose for her, uh, I think I have mentioned before, is Miracle Mile from 1990, one of the great, great sci-fi, weird romance horror movies uh, ever made. And these are the, the, the
2: credits that I will talk about today.
3: Thank you, everyone.
2: Excellent. Thank you, Eric. Uh, I love all of that, and I'm going to go check all those things out. But before that, we're going to check out this episode and go deep into what's happening. As you said, it was directed by David Carson. Uh, he had done a bunch of Star Trek, but he also uh, directed Star Trek Generations, the forthcoming first on a, you know big screen debut of these characters which is always super fun um and then Ronald D Moore wrote the teleplay continuing on the story that they were doing for uh the first one um and of course these two also teamed up for the premiere of Deep Space 9 um in in the same configuration of a writer and director we begin with a previously on uh which was uh, narrated by Anyone remember? Majel? Majel, yes. She's actually got an on-screen credit as narrator. uh, (laughs) Majel? One of these days we'll get it right. Uh, Which was great because it it caught us up with everything uh, in a very, very good way. But then we get right into the action of the Klingon Civil War that's occurring. Kern's ship, the Hecta, is fighting against two other birds of prey, Um, And it is a stressful moment. There are explosions. Worf is like, Captain, you have to do X, Y, Z, or it will be destroyed. The aft shields are gone. Hold, hold. He goes closer to a sun and pulls up. And that's solar flare going to warp, right? I guess creates a solar flare and kills the two pursuing birds of prey. It's such a great action moment. Kate, what did you think of uh, being on the bridge of a Klingon ep- ep- uh, vessel for this? I
1: fucking love that it starts so hard, right? Like there's a guy with like something stuck out of his eye. It was like one of the first yeah. shots, and you're just pushing past him towards all of this, you know, chaos and sweat. And I don't know what is hotter, the surface of that sun. Or Tony Todd, I can never decide. Uh, I'm a Kern fan. I'm a Kern girl. Uh, a current I'm a Colonel. Colonel,
3: interrupt for one second. Like, <laughs> I think that Tony Todd probably has the biggest influence with the smallest screen time in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Wow. Do you know how many episodes Kern is in?
2: Dude, the, the, this is his last one. Yeah.
3: yeah, he's in three episodes total. Yeah. Like the, I, I don't remember any character as well as I remember Kern for three episodes. That's nuts to me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He comes back in deep space nine, but right. That's uh yes. Uh, the, the, he's only in three. That's amazing. Jimmy, what did you think of, uh, of, of this action moment?
0: Absolutely exciting. I said out loud cause I was by myself and I can talk to myself out loud and that's fine. <laughs> uh, exciting. <laughs> like Is the it? ship's pursuing. It's just, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was cinema quality yeah. level like it wasn't tv I, I just had it was so much fun and it's just a classic trope when only one person knows exactly when something needs to be done and everybody else is waited with bated breath including the audience like i know they're gonna something good's gonna happen but when will it happen the tension <laughs> and then when he says in it or whatever the Klingon word is. Sorry, Klingons. I don't <laughs> don't mean to be offensive towards your language. Uh, and then they fly off. That flare is fantastic. They destroy him. And then, of course, I love the typical wharf thing where he just not okay. Fine, you're right. A little nod. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> just the one bob up and down with his head. it's just a really great start to this episode
2: it is it's like in media res right like everything's happening um i also love the visual effects like it's really good looking for yeah. for 1991 was i read a post? little bit
0: was that like maybe touched up later or was that what it looked like on the original air day do you think
2: i'm sure it is these are the digital remasters so we're also you know take that with a grain of salt but they can't recreate the wheel right so they're taking what they have there um right. but I just to go right it looks so good they they are really getting adept at taking shots they have from movies uh so there's a couple of shots of when the bird of prey is going towards the sun that's actually from uh voyage home uh uh, from the bird of prey that the kirk's crew is in and about you know slingshotting around the sun um and then i read that the visual effects supervisor for this created the surface of the sun by cooking oatmeal he thought that looked kind of like a bubbling thing, and he added some color effects. And so that's what the surface of that sun is actually cooking oatmeal. <laughs> mm. Love it. Delicious. I know. You know. I know. Now I want some oatmeal. From that amazing bit, we go to Captain's Log, Stardate, and he is uh giving us the Federation view of what's happening here in the Klingon Civil War, and he's presenting to the Admiral. Uh what he thinks uh, we should do form a fleet get some tachyon particles out there we'll be able to detect the romulans he's uh, you know she is not really sure that the romulans are involved but she's eventually persuaded that like they should at least know whether or not the the romulans are involved and uh tells him to assemble his fleet while she goes and sells his plan to starfleet what did you guys think about picard taking the reins of uh, of this defense here
0: What Picardio was great, but what immediately struck me about this scene was a middle-aged white man sitting quietly next to a very powerful black woman who had an African accent, which is just a subtle way of bringing in a whole lot of things that you're not allowed to do in Tennessee anymore, but I'm glad that they could do it back then, Uh, because it was just fantastic
1: I was gonna say the same thing I wrote oh, down I'm sorry no I wrote down that I love that there's this old white dude and he says not a goddamn thing Right. he's
0: obviously her manservant
2: sub <laughs> <laughs> so admiral yeah I know I love that bit too he doesn't even really nod or anything he just kind of is there as an observer nobody has a little um, look to Picard as they're leaving like you better do it <laughs> yeah, she is serious <laughs> your
0: ass is on the line
3: and she does such a good job of being
2: exhausted but Mm. in charge yes like it's really a terrific performance it is good and it's just this one scene right like that's she uh, has this great impactful scene and then we're like okay this sets up the entire plot of this episode very well
3: and we've met her before like this is her second episode but yeah
2: it's it's nice she's just here she sets it up and uh, gone it's great She does what all good uh, leaders do, which is like, okay, you do the the actual work, Picard. I'll sell it up to the brass, and I'm like, that's please more of that. I love that. I don't want to have to talk to, you know, Federation Command. You do that shit. That's your job, Admiral. Riker and Picard have a little bit here at the end too, which I actually we don't get a lot of Riker in this episode, but I did like that they're like, all right, well, we now that we sold it, now we got to make it happen. Uh, I like that feeling. And then we go right to credits.
1: And the credits have a brand new logo intro. I had to go back to season four to see if it was true. It's very Captain EO-esque. At least like where all of a sudden the Star Trek, the next generation <laughs> comes along and it's got like like streamers coming from. I don't know. I, I made sure that it was new because I thought I was going crazy.
2: I noted that, too. I was like, this was looks really fancy. Sk- Maybe I just haven't seen the credits in yeah, a while. I didn't notice it at all. <laughs> So, after the credits, we get to a scene in the ready room where Jordy, data, and Riker are talking through the plans. this is where they list all the names of the the ships that they got. They're trying to basically get ships and some of them are still being built or or refitted and they're 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 doing what they can. There's not enough officers, so we're gonna have to spread out the amazing officer crew that we know and love uh, to some of these ships because they can't get uh, accomplished captains, uh, I guess or, or or experienced captains here in time. Uh, to be able to enact this plan
1: was is this a follow-up and a and a and a fallout from the borg uh from the last season mm-hmm. that that was my thought was that
2: that is a great point that they lost so many that
1: they lost so many that they're having trouble recruiting not only recruiting enough but getting them trained fast enough
2: mm-hmm. they should have brought that up they should have that's, stated that's that. not stated yeah, it's not stated, but it's totally what's happening here. That's my head cannon. Cannon! Canon! Kate Kate didn't need it to be brought up, everyone. I wouldn't point out that if been paying attention.
0: <laughs> I the want was to there. be spoon-fed. <laughs> <laughs>
2: then this meeting ends and Data is like, uh, what about me, dude? Come on. I thought uh, I thought you liked me. And Picard's like, you know what? I do like you. (laughs) Let's get married. Uh, No, you have the Sutherland. Go to it. And uh, it's a nice little moment of like, oh, no, yeah, you have earned your stripes. Go for it.
0: Yeah. And there's a moment there where I read it as uh, Patrick Stewart made the choice that, oh, I was being racist. Like he catches himself like, oh, you're quite right. Um, I overlooked you for reasons that aren't okay and thank mm. you like there's a, a, a this a little subtle thing he does with his face and i took it as him acknowledging that and not just uh it to me didn't seem like um oh yeah 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 sorry i was just think about other stuff
3: and i like that data has become assertive about things like that has it's it's neat you know it's not necessary but having that part of his personality come to the fore makes it easier for the the writers to put him into those situations and the performance of it is really impressive
2: it is cool and he's also like hey if if, if, if there's something i can improve on he's about to say like can i improve my 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 uh, uh you know duties with you um but i got a slightly different interpretation of, of that look from picard i thought maybe he was being selfish by saying he wanted him on on his bridge right because all he's left was is o'brien <laughs> Not that O'Brien's bad, but like I think he was a little bit being like, "Oh, I thought I needed you. I needed you close to me so that I I could lean on you as uh, as second in command when we're running out of actors, (laughs) Spiner."
3: I was thinking it's that Irish, English, French uh, thing. He he doesn't want to be around the Irish
2: (laughs) non-com. We'll get to uh, O'Brien and him suddenly having a rank uh, in a bit. But then we move to uh, Klingon land where apparently this whole scene, I was just laughing because when you're hanging out with Klingons, they apparently just punch each other and headbutt each other. It doesn't matter who you are or what's going on. There's just some throw down fighting and that's fun.
1: I wrote down the scene is the definition of carousing, right? Like,
3: (laughs) in all RPGs. Exactly. I will say that I stopped playing football because one of the guys came up and headbutted me when I did something well.
2: That's completely valid. I also stopped playing football when I broke my foot uh, in a similar way.
1: Someone headbutted your foot?
2: (laughs) Part of a drill. And I was like, boy, I hurt. And that's not good. I don't want to do that anymore. (laughs) Done. Done. Over. We realized that Captain Larg is uh, the enemy. Uh, you know, I, it, take, it took me a moment to kind of kind of put this all together but Wharf is like, wait, you drink with our enemies? They're, you know, uh, Kern and Larg are just, you know, uh, trading insults at each other and it seems all good natured until you realize he was the one who was commanding those ships that uh, Kern killed at the beginning of this whole episode.
1: Yeah, the idea of a neutral bar setting where then everybody beats the shit out of each other anyway. It's really interesting to me.
2: Even if you're friends or uh, colleagues, you can still beat the shit out of each other. Worf wants to talk about stabilizers, though. And uh, Kern is just like, dude, it's not the time. Who cares about stabilizers? We must drink. We are in a great war. I do like that this is is the Klingon uh, warrior code, you know, kind of... Viking-esque uh, kind of thing of like, oh, we must drink and fuck and screw and yeah. fight, and that's what he we actually do. actually does say, this is not a time for stabilizers.
0: <laughs>
3: Such a good line. Like, the character that he has created is so impressive, because it's over the top in every way you could possibly be over the top, and yet, if you look through that, there's so many subtle little moments where his eyes are checking to Worf's reactions before he knows what to do next. And it's, he's so focused even while his body is doing such crazy stuff. Like it's, it's just one of my favorite performances ever.
2: Did you guys uh consider that Worf is a tactical officer for Kern as captain, but the whole last episode was all about Worf asserting himself as the older brother. And you must do what I say. That is flipped a little bit in this episode. What did you guys think about that at all?
0: Oh uh, yeah. It occurred to me in that scene, but it didn't, it wasn't weird. It was like he's the older brother, but he's new to the Klingon mm. uh, command and his brother was already a captain and he's not. So he has to follow his captain just like any other Klingon.
3: Yeah. Even if he brings over a, a relatively similar rank as con officer and tactical officer. Yeah. It's neat. I, I like that. The, the change, but not.
2: And it's like when
3: I work for my brother, like I can challenge him in a way that other people can't, but he's still the boss. Yeah. And and that dynamic is on display there, too, which is fun.
2: I was going to bring it back to my brother as well, too, where I've definitely had moments where I'm like, why am I the little brother giving you advice? But (laughs) that's that's what's happening. <laughs> it's a cool moment, and then we get a little bit of Lursa and Betor, uh Eric's girlfriends, plotting here as to what they're going to do. And Beitor is my girlfriend. Oh. I am a hundred percent
0: monogamous. <laughs> <in that situation>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Why not both? Is what I say. She's not. It's a great uh, shot too. No.
0: I love the camera shooting through their faces close yeah. up as the fighting is in the background. Agreed. Yeah, right.
2: The lighting in here is actually good too, even in the conversation with uh, Kern and Worf. I do like that Worf's face has like a spotlight coming from somewhere and it's enough just to kind of catch his dismay at what the Klingons are doing. It's kind of interesting. But Bator is going to make Worf uh, an offer he can't refuse with mm-hmm. her mm. breasts hmm. We move to the aforementioned Lieutenant Commander Christopher Hobson meeting Lieutenant Commander Data for the first time. And this is a <laughs> doozy of a scene. Dobson just just, you know, he's 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 in command here because there's no captain. So he's used to everybody doing his orders and then Data has to assert himself with a brand new. Uh, you know, crew, uh, bridge crew. And it's uh, it's really fascinating to see Dobson say, I don't think I'm going to be the best uh, first officer for you. I thought that was a really good reading uh, from uh, from the actor. Uh, Kate, what did you think of uh, oh, his performance? Oh, just that I here? wanted
1: to punch him the entire time, which mm-hmm. means he did a fantastic job, right? Like, I fucking hate that dude. I wanted to, you know... He inches little testicles real hard, <laughs> just to make him mad. But but yeah, it's 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 a well crafted character, uh well done by the actor.
0: Yeah, I think it was well done by the actor. I don't think it's a well crafted character by the writers. It, it's, I mean, we knew he wasn't gonna like Data, and we knew where it was going, right? Like we all we knew where the resolution was heading towards between these two, right? I mean, it was yeah. It's it just. Two up there on the surface and It was like uh, This episode could have It didn't need that It was like It was good enough We didn't need this Obvious Thing on the horizon Like So it was like uh, Whatever Do what you're gonna do But we already know what's happening Like I almost tuned out Because it was like well, It's You've already shown us The ending in the credits Jimmy They're just trying to Spoon feed you man Oh that's right I do like that It's what you asked for You asked Except for when I <laughs> I like to pick What you're gonna Spoon feed me <laughs> Fair. It's oatmeal. It's going to be oatmeal. Lead
2: me when I'm in the mood to be like. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Read my mind.
2: I do love Data's uh, line reading here at the end, though. He's like, oh, yeah, I understand your concerns. Denied. Loved it. You are not going to get transferred off of my ship, son of a bitch. Uh, It's a nice assertion of command, and uh, I dig it. I dig it a lot. We go back to the Enterprise, and Chief O'Brien is there. Um, saying that the fleet is ready to uh, get ready and um, all the other Federation ships move. I share Eric, I know you love ships moving through space, so there was a lot of that in this. Yeah, I
3: love anything that I could squint and call an armada.
2: Mm. Yeah. Betor is impatient with Selah. We get the return of the Romulan lady here uh, as the daughter of Natasha Yar. The convoys are late. Uh, they're not sure if they're going to do it. I, uh, uh, Denise Crosby has this great line reading where kid says something, right? Is this the, that scene? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Where uh, And she's like, shut that kid up or I'll going to beam him out of here or something. Like It's such a great line that she has.
0: Do you think they purposely cast a uh, diminutive person oh, yes. to play that character of the Klingon? Like just to really rub it in. <laughs> like, why is this guy?
1: No, I thought about that during this episode that it is fantastic casting truly because mm-hmm. right. he's a young whelp, right? Like I wrote, I I tried to write down a different like acronym or not acronym, but a different descriptive word for him every time. And every time it was just, he's a little peon, right? Like he's a little, he's a little puppy. Like he's a little, <laughs> like, it's, it would be the most offensive thing, right?
0: In your head canons, was he, is he undersized or will he grow into one of these other big Klingons or will this guy just always be a Napoleon and really pissed off about the, he got the short end, of the, the height stick in, in the Klingon empire.
3: I think he's small. Like I, I went and looked up the age of the actor just to confirm that he was in his late twenties mm-hmm. and like, he's not grown. Yeah. I, I think that's
2: on purpose. I think, I think he's a tiny man. I think you said in the last episode, Eric, that he's, he's five six in, in his demeanor and his stature. <laughs> You'll always be 5'6". I do like to talk down to the shorts. Sayla <laughs> <laughs> says, Picard's bluffing. This this, this Federation fleet is nothing. They're not going to attack. Uh, and they kind of leave it there, even though they try to get some reinforcements from Romulus. Gowron is in the High Council Chamber, and this is where the challenge comes. They're talking about the defeats that they've been having and uh, Kolge. The old warrior uh, says, no, you. Uh, leadership is bad. Worf is like, what are we doing? We're going to fight against each other. Like, this is stupid. We don't do this in the Federation, <laughs> is the subtext there. Right. Um, and then he tries to stop the fight and Galarion takes advantage of Worf stopping and kills the guy anyway and nobody cares that that seems to be unfair at all they're like oh yeah good he's it's dead it's so Shit sneaky happens.
1: it's so and like his eyes being you know <laughs> yeah. just bulging yeah. when he does it and he's so I love it I love it he's
0: like
2: thanks for the help buddy yeah he is a little bit like Worf good job <laughs> the war can continue um, just like this podcast <laughs> All right, they're all at the the Federation fleet is all where they're supposed to be. They have a yellow alert that's going to be standing as they do this, uh, and uh, they pick up some weird subspace things going on. And Riker is deploying the fleet and spreading the net. Data says they've reached their place. The power coupling, though it's broken and there's red radiation flooding. And Hobson starts just giving awards. He's like, Terry, I want you to scrub my butt. Ralph, I need <laughs> you to wash those dishes right now. And Data is like, mm, you're supposed to talk to me first. And this is such an awful insubordination scene where he's like, all right, I'll do whatever you say. What would you like us to? I love that shot of him walking away from the console, turning towards uh, Data and having the rest of the bridge crew kind of behind him and just be like, What do you want us to do, dickhead?
0: Yeah, Uh, just what you said.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And that scene ends uh, with Data, uh, I think, showing some emotion there. He does that, like, raising the eyebrows of like, hey, I'm confused by uh, that interaction. What should I have done differently? He's like, you can see his thought process going a little bit differently on how he can better be a captain. And maybe this is where he starts thinking, like, maybe I should take a cue from my captain, Captain Picard. What has he done? in situations not quite like this but you know when he's trying to assert control that's my little headcanon of what what data is doing uh his subprocessors are are, are going through right there what did you what did you think of brent spiner's performance of data in this as a whole because he, he's certainly not necessarily emotionless android throughout this this whole episode okay i see you nodding
1: well i did i did actually have that moment uh we're not there yet where he has to yell right and I was like, is that a calculation, right? Like I need mm-hmm. to increase my volume by X amount in order to achieve the results. You know, like I, I, I think it was calculative rather than emotive. fully.
0: I thought of Eric because I was like, Eric is saying right as he watched the scene, <laughs> his subroutine <laughs> is telling him that he has to raise his voice. It, in my head, I'm arguing with Eric. That's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> fight! I don't fighting, even have to fight! Fight! Went through my mind because I was like, I know exactly what Eric is thinking while he's watching this about why Dade is doing what he's doing. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and I was like, he's probably right, but I don't like it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's acting. He's yeah. acting. He's right. He's being like, hmm, I have to be different. I think yeah. uh, at the at the conclusion of this scene. Uh, which is fascinating. <laughs> I, it's like I don't even have to be here, Jimmy. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> the next episode is just going to be Jimmy arguing with each of us uh, in his head. Uh, <laughs> it's a one-man show. <laughs> the fleet's in position. The forge uh, is ready to put the tachyon pulses together. I love this graphic of the ships shooting their electric you know, tachyon beans at each other. It's such—you know—visual it, it, learning is very important, and some for some reason, just showing that on the screen makes a lot of sense i will say though uh space is big right uh so can't you just go around it uh, if, if if you can warp speed very fast there's no net big enough that you can make that wouldn't allow the romulans it would take them longer perhaps but it they could just go up or down or around it right <laughs> yeah so yeah. you
1: and your logic yeah. have no place on this podcast <laughs> I'm taking control no! Welcome Why? to Re-Engaged <laughs> <laughs> kate, i
2: fully support you
3: <laughs> commander kate you betrayed me i for one welcome our new kate
2: <laughs> the romulan Sela, and movar have the same graphic uh, on their thing uh but with different symbols uh on their just dis- tactical display and they're like they're doing this uh, i can't believe it she says well now maybe it's time to to go face to face with the card and this is when the romulan warbird the cloaks right in front of them, and on screen is Tasha Yar. That's what Picard says, Tasha. And we have a great shot of Deanna. She's not in a lot in this episode, but she does turn around and be like, "What?" Well, we, we had to get her feelings on it. Yeah, <laughs> setting it up. What did you sense? <laughs> Well, the audience has known uh, of the existence of this character for quite some time but this is the first time that the bridge crew is aware that there is a romulan tasha yar out there
0: and i wonder like back when this originally aired what that summer was like mm. you know because you didn't have the internet it was like were you reading magazines you're like what do you think is it tasha yar is she a clone like who is this like where all the rumors would have spread and went, because nowadays it'd just be like every other newsfeed on my phone would be like, you know, the theory of Tasha Yar and why she is this character. Like, it really exciting to have to wait, like juicy, you know, like you had to wait until the fall until you got to get a clear answer of,
2: the, of who this person was. You had to talk to people and other fans wow. who had happened to see that and follow along, right? Right, community.
0: What is that?
2: Sila threatens Picard saying, you know, you can't do this. It's an act of aggression. How dare you take the fleet back or we're going to um, go at you. And he says, "Uh uh-uh. And they close the channel. But uh, this is where we get actually the only scene that Troy and Beverly Crusher have uh, in speaking parts is here talking to Picard. And Crusher says, nope, Tasha was never pregnant. We have no record of that at all. Uh, that's incredible. And uh, Troy says she didn't detect any lies. No, no lies detected uh, from Sila. It ends with Picard just being like, hmm, well, maybe we got to talk to her because Guinan comes in and Guinan says, yo, I got a feeling about this. When that scene, When she came
0: in, I was like, it's really cool that there's this character they've been able to write in. That can just waltz on and whatever they say, you as an audience member know it's true and the characters have to take it as fact yeah. because of this majesty or magicalness of this, this person. It's wonderful. I was so happy to see that shadow. Mm-hmm. Like We know who mm-hmm. you are and I can't wait till you come in and like just lay down some truth.
2: Her headpieces are always so uh, iconic in shape that we knew exactly, as, even though she was in shadow as the uh, door opened, you're like, yep, she's going to tell what's what. And she doesn't really know. Like, that's what I also like about it, too. Like, she's not remembering exactly what happened in yesterday's Enterprise. She just says, I got a, I got a sense that you did this, and this all is connected to something that happened.
3: I mean, it takes me right back to that last moment in yesterday's Enterprise where she is with Geordi and says, you know, tell me about Tasha. And, like... It's just a continuation of that fantastic ending to that episode, and I I really respect having Guinan uh, come in for all the reasons Jimmy said, and and because of exactly where we left this thread with her.
0: The emotion that's underlying Picard in the scene is really, it's delicious. Like you can tell he's holding back from crying or like breaking down. Like and there's that one line where it says, "You didn't know Tasha." Yeah, like it's almost like he's pissed off that that guy is talking about somebody that he loves and she didn't know, you know, it's like you don't have any right. And like there is this this almost seethingness there that I just thought was
2: really, really nice, exquisite. He did get a little dismissive, though, too. Yeah. I
1: noted that in that I thought it was a really great way to show how we as people, as human persons react when we're given information that is contrary to to what we have believed right like no but when we when we're given that idea of uh of something that is outside our scope or or that we're we're shown something of our own doing that that maybe isn't great the first reaction is fear or is ang is fear at which oftentimes manifests itself as anger Mm-hmm. So there's this, like, oh, shit, what did I do? Did I do something? If anybody was going to know if I did something, this is the person that would know. Mm, but there's that right. immediate anger of, like, well, what do you mean the oceans are getting hotter? Of course they're not. It's cold in my hometown. Nice.
2: <laughs> <Right>. Topical. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Um, I also thought grief is wrapped up in it, too, mm-hmm. right? Because I think he's, he's still... You know, kind, he kind of compartmentalized, as you have to in the military. I would assume, of like, okay, well, we we put that story aside. Tasha Yar is no more. It was a shitty thing, and here it is being challenged. Um, that that narrative that he had had in his mind, and I think that's what he reacts with uh, the fear and anger there too, because of that. That's where Picard's like, we gotta meet. Then we gotta we gotta have that scene. We gotta have it out. But before then, uh, Worf is continuing to argue with Kern and saying maybe Gowron uh, should just stop all the challenges. Like, all this challenging, it's getting exhausting. I mean, it, 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 even on this podcast, I don't want you guys challenging me anymore <laughs> about hosting. Uh, and Kern is like, dude, that's that's what Klingons do. Are you not Klingon? You were the one who told me we needed to fight for this dude. And now you're challenging you're, you're challenging him, but you're not challenging him? Like, that, it's the most mealy mouth Federation bullshit out there. And uh, Kern kind of stomps off. And then Worf gets his ass kicked again.
1: So much for the neutrality of that bar.
2: Yeah,
0: Uh, that was cool. I thought Kern was, it was a great argument that he laid down on him.
2: Yeah. He's like, you came to me and told me what to do. And now you're going against it because you don't like how we're doing it. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, I also like how the writers were like, we don't have to worry about the, the preamble of setting up this meeting between a enemy on coming onto the enterprise alone seems a little bit. Uh, okay. But we just, we got to get the scene. We got to have it happen. So, uh, immediately, uh, uh, Sila is in the conference room with Picard, uh, and they hash it out. She tells him everything. Uh, what did, uh, Jimmy, I'll throw it to you. What did you think of, of her retelling of, uh, of her backstory here?
0: It was satisfying, you know, to get some of that information. I don't think, I've never thought Denise Crosby is a, a fantastic actor. She did okay in the in what she did there. There was some, I, I don't know, it was okay. I loved the line that Stewart delivers when he said, I, I would very much like to meet your mother. Can you make that, is that, can you make that happen? Like it's fast, it's deliberate. And it was like, the first time you say I love somebody or something where it's been there and you just let it out and like absolutely exposed, 100%, I don't care what you think, I desperately need to see your mom. Like, mm-hmm. I just loved it. How it was delivered. The line, how it was written. Say, how do your mother for me? And then the crushing blow that was given to him. <laughs> uh, and the, the reason why she was dead. I just adore. I think it's just a fantastic way to write this character. Like no holds barred or not being apologetic. This is who this character is. I killed my fucking mom <laughs> and she's gone. And, I'm not sorry about it. I know that you obviously liked her, but she betrayed my people like it's just it just really puts her in a nice box, which is fun like of course, then you read that as anybody and you're like, okay, um, this is my Richard the third. I get to have a good
2: time being a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, right it, it put it in firm villain mode for me, which I actually really enjoyed and one that's a little bit understandable, right? like but like good villains, you're like, okay, well I can see if she was three or four, right? Like you can tell that she was young when this happened. She made her yeah. choice then and she stuck with it. And it's a little bit, calls back to um, Spock, you know, being pulled into his Vulcan side and his, his human side and, and uh, a similar character here. who's was like, no, I'm full, I'm full Romulan now and fuck all y'all.
3: When a villain can be a true believer. I think so many times we want to see good and even, even, things we understand to be like logical, uh, that, that that the ends justify the means mm-hmm. or something like that. We, we want to see a thought process we can follow as opposed to admitting that so many villains in the world are just bad and they have chosen bad and they have chosen cruel and they have chosen these things because, that's what they prioritize, and that's what they believe in. I think it's fun as an actor, and I think it reflects reality in a way that art sometimes shies away from. So I, I really love this kind of
2: thing. And I bet you love this next scene as well because Beitor is on top of Worf and eating his beard. Yeah. Don't yick her ick. <laughs> <laughs> don't what is it? Yuck her yum. Yeah. Yuck her, yuck her yum. Thank you. Yes. And You're like I can grow a beard. I can grow a beard too, Beitor. It's true. So yeah, she they're going full seduction mode where they're like, uh, not only will you get to mate with this hot lady, you will also, uh, you know, have all the wonders of the Durasthanda. And my sister family. will watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, in my head, Canon Turl is in the you know watching this on a view screen too, so it's like a full uh, creep ass moment. And then uh, he's like, "No, I don't want that. I don't want any part of that. No honor, nothing." <laughs> and that's where sailor is like, "Okay, you, yeah, yeah, you, you gave it your best go. You're not convincing him." I need to know all the best Federation ships and what they all do. And then they go interrogate and punch wharf some more, but in a not good way.
0: <laughs> right, but there was that—that that was a turning moment there, right? Like when sailor comes on, she's very dismissive. Like, these are the children that she has absolute control of. And there's that moment between the sisters where, like, um, we're nobody's bitches. Like, Mm. that's how I read it. It was a look there of, like, the anger of, like, but they are. They're, like, we're her bitch, and that's not cool. (laughs) And we need to get out of this yoke, like, get up from under this yoke. Like, the turning point for them, I thought, Mm. was that scene. And not that we saw that, but we know that they come back. The
3: and, seed's placed. Um, yeah. yeah, and Maybe we, we see the fallout of it a little later. Yeah, that's nice. I like that it's really open for us in in this scene. That's a good point, Jimmy.
2: Picard and Gowron have a moment where they hatch a plan uh, or Gowron will attack, try to draw the Romulans across this border um, by demanding Bator and Lursa's side to get supplies from the Romulans to basically kind of test this as best, as best they can. It's a good plan. And Gowron's like, yes, Let's do it. I hope they die well.
0: That's what he says about warp. Not them. <laughs> He's like, oh, and by the way, uh, warp has been captured. I hope he dies yeah. well. <laughs> right. And then another nice moment with Picard. He's like, and Picard is like, what? Like it, it hits up. Like shit. Tasha might be alive. Warp is captured. He might die. Like everything's just going to
2: shit. Data is, uh, you know, getting some racism against them. It's all happening. That means that uh, Sela now all of a sudden has to wonder what to do because their forces are attacking. She doesn't know if there's any way to get through them. They're trying to come up with a plan to break through this uh, blockade that the Federation has done. And Picard's got an extra special plan to be like, all right, well, we're going to have you guys fall back, Riker, with engine problems, and we'll create this hole. And that way we'll be able to take pictures of them coming through this hole. And yeah, it's going to be great. Um, but Sayla figures that out. says nope I'm not gonna do that I'm gonna do something different I'm not gonna fall for this trap we'll go with the one that has the android captain and uh blast it with tachyon beams and see if we can uh uh, bust through that way what did you guys think of this build up uh through here I'll throw it to you Kate as Dobson shows his uh assholeness even more so uh
1: well I mean it's it's sort of tropey in that we know that it's gonna be okay, right? But definitely in the moment, there's that tension of uh, will it be in time and, and, and will, de- is this gambit worth what's happening? Like worth not listening to orders. Um, I will say that the result is very visually pleasing. I love the little outlines of the three ships. I think that's so fucking cool. Um, and that immediately data goes, and uh, now we're going to close off all of things for the radiation and make sure we go into protocols and blah, 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 like, just shuts that shit down, you know, as soon as he does what needs to be done. I was surprised that he didn't respond to Picard. You would have thought that there would have been at least uh, give, tell them we need a moment, but he, you know, calculation. So we
0: just say, stand by.
1: That is true. Stand by. They
3: they didn't seem to be in such a hurry that they couldn't be like, hold on. True. I I got something going on.
2: Yeah. Or at least just tell Hobson that. Just be like, hey, tell, you know, you tell Picard what is doing. We're doing like a gambit to try to see if we can detect these ships right now. And My
0: headcanon was they, he didn't want to be found out. Like maybe they would hear. Right. They were up to something. It was like, they just had to be Quiet. Mm. No comms, so that oh, could like be submarine, that, yeah, like cannon, <laughs> cannon,
2: <laughs> one ping only. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> I'll take the rapist for a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> the penis might <my> <laughs> here. <laughs> They finally do get the pictures. I guess I, I had in my head There's someone with a uh, Jimmy Olsen taking pictures of the Romulan ships as they that wonderful visual that you're describing there. And we're like, all right, get them, get them developed quickly, and we'll send them off to the presses um, so that they could show that they were in fact Romulans. There, Sila knows that everything is up, and she's like, all right, well, they found us out. Let's bug out of here. We're, you know, we're gonna piss off Romulan high command if they know that we're breaking this. We can't risk a war with the Federation. She bugs out um, and Hobson is just basically like, OK, you did a good job, Captain. He says the word Captain there with him. Uh, but it still doesn't seem to have the level of respect that I thought it should have had. Right. Right. Eric, you're shaking your head. No. Right.
3: I agree. But also, I, I don't think that anything really convinces racists anyway. <laughs> so like it it's it's pretty uh,
0: real to me.
2: Hmm. No, that's a good point. Yeah, for put it sure. that
0: way, it's actually a brilliant choice.
2: <laughs> this is where Duras' stronghold is under bombardment, where you see like the, the explosions happen. I love that. Of course, it's a matte painting that's got uh, uh, visual effects on it, which I always love.
3: May I, may I recommend you check out Planet of the Vampires? <laughs> Does it have lots of matte <laughs> paintings? I like matte, matte paintings
2: with uh, people in front of them. I, Thank that's, you. That's one of my favorite things. The sisters are like, what? The robulans didn't come. This is ridiculous. We'll beam out. Uh, screw this guy and they abandon their nephew oh it's right. the best Ed is very
0: Shakespearean where you just have a believable character sweep in the war is lost <laughs> yes <laughs> like, you don't have <laughs> yeah. to show it all the other no. machinations of war it doesn't matter a character we believe says it's over. <laughs> You're like, yeah, it's over.
3: That's hey, over. That's all it took. That's done. And they bug out,
2: absolutely
3: knowing that that kid's gonna get killed. <laughs> He's dead. His
2: <laughs> use to them is over for this war, at least. But Kern comes in and rec- rescues Worf. Data presents himself for disciplinary inaction uh, to Picard, and Picard very rightly is like, "No, you did the right thing. Good job. Nicely done." which is a, a thing I always say when playing Dungeons & Dragons and someone gets a hit. I'm like, oh, nicely done. You did that. <laughs> Maybe that's where I got from. In the High Council Chamber, there's a full report going on there. Gowron, thanks for the help. Gowron trying to be nice. He's like, here's Toral. Here, Warf, I'll give him to you. You can kill him. Here's the <laughs> knife that you can use to commit murder in front of 30 people. Oh, revenge is his love
1: language.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I love that Warf is like, nope not gonna do it kern says but it is the klingon way i know but it is not my way or the highway <laughs> <laughs>
0: except for in last episode when it was your way
2: <laughs> or a couple episodes ago where he killed right <laughs> What's yeah. his name? and then uh he says okay kern you can kill him then and Worf says no i you gave him my life and i've chosen to spare it you can't kill him either um This little kid is going to be five, six forever. And it's so funny because at the end shot,
0: Kurt walks up to Gowron with his back turned and Gowron puts his hand on his shoulder like, there, there. I know you didn't get to kill the shrimp. Don't worry.
2: We will kill other shrimps later. Yeah, and Worf requests to be reinstated uh, with the Federation, and that was it. Picard's like, granted. Game on. No paperwork needed. Status quo is returned for episode two, um, but we do get that great shot of the Klingon High Council chamber. Everyone kind of moves in a little bit so that they're all like this circle. I, I did question exactly what you're talking about, Jimmy. What do you think the symbolism in the way Kern turned his back on his brother? What do you What do you think?
0: Well, I was thinking he was like now he's uh dwarf is dead to him, maybe like that was a sever between the brothers uh and also just you know comforting
2: <laughs> <laughs> like like I said, they're there all Oh on they're they're known for their comforting. <laughs> right. All right, well, that's the episode. Again, we will be back to status quo with Worf back on the Enterprise. And it is time for our final thoughts. So Kate Yeager, I will throw it to you first.
1: Oh my goodness. I think this is an excellent way to start off the season. Uh, I'm going to give it eight and a half new logos. Wow. 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 That's your new theme (laughs) I just think it's a very Solid episode It's a very uh, Satisfying conclusion To our two-parter Again thinking, Jimmy, you're so right What we used to have to do Living through those summers wondering what was going to happen. This was, I think, very well done. I think there were some fantastic guest stars, some of whom are only in it for the briefest of moments, but make the biggest of impacts. And I think that you're right in that it does try to maybe cover one too many storylines with this, Uh, but I understand the sort of impetus of throwing everything sort of in for the big old Introduction Let's get as many characters in here as we can. Uh, but I do wonder what would have happened if we had just told the wharf story and the Kern story. I think that would have been enough. I will never be sad when we get more data, when we get more exploration of who data is uh, and who data is becoming. So, um, it's not enough to make me be like, Mom, they shouldn't have done it. Boo to this episode. So, yeah, I can give it eight and a half. Pew-pew-pews.
2: Jimmy G, can you have a better theme than that?
0: No theme, but I do agree. Uh, I give it eight and a half. Uh, I'm going to give it eight and a half Klingon
2: cuddles.
0: Mm. <laughs> because when from you don't Major. get to murder somebody, the Klingons will be the first to comfort <laughs> you. Uh, the only thing that stopped me from doing a little bit higher, a nine, um, is the, the 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 whole data yelling thing. Uh, I totally agree. I think Eric is right. There's probably that program there, certainly there's a subroutine that he knows this is what he needs to do. I just think it was wasted in a a storyline where we already knew the resolution before they even got a few lines into it. It just, it wasn't worthy of the situation they gave. I wasn't bothered by uh, the other storylines, uh, you know, dipping into the characters. I thought maybe we could have got more of Cellar since she was such a prominent character and just a big reveal. You know, we already knew who she was, but like, who is she and how did she get here? I thought I would have loved to get more of that and I could have done without the whole data thing with I know I'm you know his racist number one because we we just knew where it was going to go it wasn't satisfying when he finally does say captain um i actually was a bit satisfied until uh, Eric brought up the whole, that's how races uh, are. And I was like, oh yeah, now I don't like it. <laughs> but the episode as a whole, eight and a half, it's you know a must. If you love Star Trek, like we've talked about, there's sort of milestones in Redemption 1 and 2, plus the little string there of other Klingon specific, which all tie into this resolution, Is absolutely a must-see because it there is no deeper dive into the Klingons than that string of episodes, and you can't be a Star Trek fan without devouring those.
2: Love it, love
3: it, Eric. What do you think? Well, I'm also going to go with eight and a half. I thought about changing it after you two, but there's no way I'm going to go less than that. And I would go more, but we have some all-timers coming up in the next few weeks, so eight and a half for me works. Eight and a half Ghostbusters quotes. (laughs) (laughs) such as well i don't think the man is competent to conduct a major symphony orchestra (laughs) which was our friend the racist (laughs) lieutenant um he's good at that i think it's a fantastic show for all the reasons you guys have said and bator
2: (laughs) (laughs) two times eight and a half equals 17 i (laughs) will also give it eight and a half this time it will be unanimous eight and a half challenges oh. to a podcast supremacy uh, that you all have done over the course of this recording i am for it um it is an action-packed episode here it seems it falls at a break deck pace it feels cinematic it feels um as dramatic as a as an as a movie like if you were to actually cut this up together as a movie it probably would be pretty satisfying to watch in the theaters because of all the different storylines going on um it is a little bit challenged i think i agree that it is hard to fit basically three full storylines into 47 minutes um they did the best that they possibly could with that i think um the cinematography and in particular the klingon scenes looks really beautiful um, and there's matte paintings galore so eight and a half for me the performances are fantastic and I'm really excited to continue on Reengage's journey here through season five with the three of y'all what? and with that there are so many wet pants happening throughout this uh, panel right <laughs> all of you I mean that's fair <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you all next week
3: Next week when our pants are wet.
1: Thank you so much for riding along with us on this episode of Reengage. Next week we continue our mission with the next episode of the fifth season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Follow Reengage on Blue Sky and the site formerly known as Twitter at reengage TNG to get updates when episodes are published. You can follow our various cultural bridge officers. Kate Yeager is at Yeagerlicious. Eric Curry is at Eric Falls Down. Greg Tito is visible at gregtito.com and at gregtito on Twitter and Blue Sky. Jimmy G is at the Jimmy G on Insta. Reengage is edited by Greg Tito, Kate Yeager, or Jimmy G. Logo artwork is by Mojo Jojo underscore 97 on Twitter or mojo97.com. Theme music is by Ryan Marth. Thanks for listening. Join us next week as we re-engage.